You're listening to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. My name is Sammy Reyes, and as a college student and entrepreneur, I'm always looking for a little more passion in my life. On this podcast, my guests and I will teach you the tools to help you fashion your passion. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Fashion Your Passion podcast. I am super excited for this episode today because we're talking about something that we have never talked about on the podcast before. We're going to talk about post-grad life and sort of wash away your worries about what you do post-grad, how to gain that job, and really just dealing with your 20s in general. I am here with the founder of Post-Grad Compass, Jacques, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the show. Hi, Sammy. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So can you just tell my audience a little bit more about who you are, what you do in terms of post-grad camp, Compass, and then also anything else you want to mention. And we'll just go from there. Sure. Sounds good. So my name is Jacques Arsenault. I live in Washington, D.C. And in my day job, I'm actually the director of digital communications for a U.S. government agency, the GAO. And I also teach social media classes at Georgetown University in the School of Continuing Studies. I also have a somewhat unique background in that my wife is a professor, and about five years ago, we moved onto campus, living in a dorm, it's mostly sophomores, but also some juniors and seniors in a faculty and residence apartment. And so it's been a whole different set of experiences of talking to students on a daily basis. Our dog is a bit of a campus celebrity, and our three kids are a little bit as well. And so that's one of the reasons that got me into the idea of Postgrad Compass, partly thinking back on my own career and my own college experience and some of the challenges that I went through and things that I wish I had known then. And also seeing that many of those are similar challenges to what students and recent grads face now. And I looked around and didn't really find anywhere that kind of provides all the resources for not just finding a first job, but building a career and a professional identity, some of the challenges of adulting. So personal finance, cooking at home, finding an apartment, moving to a new city, and then finally making meaning of your 20s. So I think a lot of times when we think about what college prepares us for, it's to get that job. But what are all the pieces that go around that? How do we find fulfillment in a job or outside of a job? How do we work in some of the things that have been important to us prior to leaving college, whether that's worshiping in a faith community, whether that's community service, or if that's something like intellectual life? How, when I'm done with classes, can I keep learning in a new way? when I'm navigating a nine to five and all of those pieces. So I was excited to start. And as it turned out, I'd been thinking about it for at least five or six years. So I was excited now to start uh, Postgrad Compass as a place to provide those resources, to give some practical tips, but also my own reflections and sharing other people's experience of people that are a little further along the way to show that, yes, a lot of people have made it through and you will too. And here are some helps along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're totally right on the note of this isn't talked about enough. You know, like, yes, obviously, like, there are little things where in college and like your peers are always like, okay, like this internship could, you know, potentially like result in a job. And then, like, you know, maybe I want to stay here. Or maybe I want to like move to a different city and stuff like that. But it's not really like quote unquote like laid out in terms of here's how X works, here's how Y works, here's what could happen if X or Y doesn't work out that way and stuff like that. And so I really do appreciate you creating this 
this brand to focus on that. What are some of the top worries you've heard from college students or you know people you've talked to about entering that post-grad experience? And what are your biggest tips to combat a lot of those things? I know big question, but you know, take it as you will. De- definitely a big question. I think one fear that I hear from a lot of college students is they put a lot of pressure on what that first job is going to be and think that whatever I do as my first job, that's going to set me on a path. And so I really have to make sure I'm in the right one because that's what I'm going to do forever. And it's possible if you decide that after college, you're going to go to say veterinary school, or you're going to become a missile technician in the army or something like that. There are certain paths that do have more of a path laid out, but Even in those cases, it's not something that you're locked into. And for most of us, our jobs and our fields are even less kind of first A, then B, then C. But really, they're kind of stepping stones and building blocks that each one is a set of experiences. It can be a set of relationships, and it can give you a new place and a new perspective to say, okay, here's where I was at 22. And after having this job in this organization for a couple of years, now I'm 24. Do I want to look for other opportunities and ways to grow within the organization that I'm in now? Or do I want to take a different path and use this as an opportunity to pivot to something else? Yeah, absolutely. Where has your career like developed? Like, How has your career developed from your first job? Sure. My first job, I kind of backed into. And I'll tell you a little bit of my story because it's one of the reasons that I am excited about this. One of the posts that I put up recently was on informational interviewing and how informational interviewing can be critical to building your career and and going from one step to the next. In part, you may have heard the statistic that 80% of all jobs are filled without ever being posted publicly or before ever being posted publicly. And who knows if that is a real statistic, but it's probably not far off, even if it's not an exact calculation. And so I was in a position that all through college, I wanted to get different experiences. I couldn't settle on a major, so I picked American Studies, which was an interdisciplinary major so that I could take music classes and history classes and government classes and build them into a whole. I was involved in the pep band, and I was a resident assistant, and I worked in a student-run grocery store and cafe. I got involved in student government, and I did some of those things all through college, and a lot of them for a semester just to try out met new people, had fun experiences, but I was always having a hard time figuring out what was going to be the thing that I focused on. And I think that was to my detriment because I was really at heart, I was afraid of picking something because I was afraid of that idea that whatever door I go through, that's going to lock me into something. And I don't know what I want to get locked into. And so what I did was nothing. By the time I was a senior, I was really interested in working for an organization called the Close-Up Foundation that is a civics education group that brings groups of high school students, basically social studies classes, to Washington for a week of workshops and discussions and tours to see how the government works and things along those lines. And I had known one person who had been a leader at Georgetown who had worked for Close-Up for several years. I knew somebody else who was sort of involved, and I knew what their hiring patterns were. So I knew that they hired typically, they had a July hiring cycle and a September hiring cycle and an October hiring cycle. So in my mind, I said, hey, I've got a great resume for this. I was an American studies major. I was an RA. I was an Eagle Scout. I'm sure I'll be a shoo-in. 
I didn't talk to anyone at the organization. I didn't really do enough research to figure out exactly what they were looking for. And when it came to June, I found out that they were canceling their July hiring cycle that year. Then I said, oh, now I need a summer job. And I was able to use my connections through undergrad to get a summer job working for somebody on campus and developing a new orientation for an off-campus living program. And so then I was set for the summer and kind of building out. And I slowly realized that I didn't know that much about close-up. And it was probably not a great idea since I had now had a deadline of August was when the summer job ended that I needed to figure out some other things. So I started job searching and I started trying to look at other things that I could do. And in the midst of all of this, September 11th happened. And so if a organization that did tours of DC was not hiring in their July cycle, they certainly weren't hiring when the nation was reeling and we were all just uncertain about everything. In fact, a lot of people stopped hiring for a little while then. Then I got myself into a bit of a pickle in terms of my job search. But I had applied in a number of places and I ended up looking at two offers. One was from a group called the Children's Defense Fund, which does advocacy, legal advocacy and policy advocacy for programs and supports for young children, particularly in underserved communities. And then the other one was a job at Georgetown University, which was my alma mater. And at that point, I made a decision based purely on salary that I was now in a hole and I needed to make more money. And so that was how I got into that role. And then I ended up working in three different roles at Georgetown and enjoyed something that's a benefit in a lot of colleges, which is tuition assistance. So I was actually able to have my grad school paid for while I was working full-time at the university. I did my master's program part-time. And so it's one of those things I try to encourage a lot of students who are considering grad school in general to wait and get out and do a job for at least a couple of years because it refocuses you a little bit and it brings in a different perspective than you have coming right out of undergrad. But I also say that if you are definitely thinking about grad school, think about ways that that can be paid for, whether that is working at a university is definitely a big one. But there are a lot of other employers that offer some kind of tuition reimbursement programs as a benefit and as a way to recruit people. So definitely paying full price for grad school is a big hit, whether you're coming out of undergrad with a lot of student loans or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like for me, like I'm not the keenest on you know, going to grad school afterwards. And so I'm like, if I want to four or five years down the line, I totally can. But like my roommate, like she's a chem major right now. And like, she knows she wants to get a PhD. So she's just going to cruise on through it all. But she's planning on like doing research and like having them like pay for a part of like her tuition. So she just has it, you know, figured out in that sense. But I love what you said about being afraid to choose because I feel like it's so prevalent in a lot of people's decisions. But the idea that undeclared majors come in and they're not really sure what they want to do, the idea that at the end of your four years of undergrad, some people are in a pickle and they're like, what do I do? I feel like relates back to that aspect of they're just afraid to choose to commit really. And from the college students you have talked to, how do they navigate that? Have you developed any tips to navigate that in terms of experience and what you've seen? Because I personally would like to know more on that. Definitely. So one of the things that I've developed over time from talking to a lot of students and helping people work through those questions, particularly of what kinds of jobs should I look for, especially that first one out of school, I think about what I call a career triangle. And there are three different points. 
And you're probably not going to find something that maximizes all three of those points. So figuring out for my next step, what is the most important of these? And so one of them is the type of organization. You know, If what is most important to you right now is that you're going to work for an organization that has a high impact or an organization that is you know, changing the world. Maybe you want to work for a Tesla or somebody who's changing the way that American business runs. Maybe you want to work for a nonprofit or a local government that has impact directly in the lives of people kind of on the ground having that direct impact. So that's kind of the type of organization. The second part is the type of work. And when I was an undergrad, and I've definitely seen this a lot, partly from hearing the messages that are not necessarily the spoken messages, but the unspoken messages out of a lot of college career centers, or at least people's perception of what the career centers are saying. The jobs that are available are maybe your campus has consulting companies and investment banks that come do recruiting on campus. Maybe it's large local employers that come do recruiting on campus. And so it's like, I can work at one of the groups that's doing recruiting because those seem to be the jobs that are available. Or I can do a service like a Teach for America or an AmeriCorps program, or a Peace Corps, or I can go to grad school. And in reality, those make up a very small proportion of all of the jobs out there. And I have come over the years to think about the fourth option, which is the first job out of college. And the first job out of college could be for any type of organization. They're often not hired in batches. They're hired individually. So it takes a little bit more work to find who are the organizations and what are the positions that they're hiring for, but they're not likely to have sort of a recruiting season so much in the way that the big employers that are coming through the career center will. And I think in a lot of ways, those jobs tend to be either in a research assistant, a office assistant, you know, some kind of retail management or something along those lines. But really what those first jobs out of college are doing is helping us learn how to work, which is a whole different skill set. And even as somebody who worked a number of part-time jobs before college and in college, working a nine to five is a very different experience in a lot of ways. And some of those ways, it's skills that you've learned in school. And some of those ways, it's very different just in terms of building relationships and things along those lines. And I did want to plug one book that I've read recently that I think is a fantastic resource for anyone thinking about what does that work life look like is The Unspoken Rules by Gorik Eng. He works in the Career Center at Harvard. He was a first-generation college student. He grew up in Canada with a single mother. And coming through undergrad, he experienced a lot of barriers and saw that for some students, there were a lot of things that they took for granted in terms of knowledge because they had parents who were in business or things along those lines. And he really does a great job of breaking out some of those specific unspoken rules of what it takes to kind of get ahead, particularly in a white collar career. But I think it extends out to a lot of different sorts of fields in terms of how to take ownership and advocacy of your own career. And so that kind of second piece to get back to the triangle. So we had our types of organizations, then we have our type of work. So to the extent that you have a lot of choices, maybe you're more interested in what am I going to do on a day-to-day basis? Maybe you want to do something that's like a research assistant role, or maybe you want to do something that is working in a communications role, or maybe you want to do something that is focused on policy or focused on customer-facing sales, things along those lines. So the third 
point in the triangle is quality of life. And that's a big category. It sort of contains everything else, but at different points in your life and depending on your situation at different points in your life, that could encompass a lot of things. It could be that I have a lot of student debt and I need to support my family who is counting on my college degree to help you know, lift up everyone up. And so then salary and compensation is going to be a big part of that quality of life at this point in my life. It could mean be that I want to get out and travel, but I don't have a lot of money to do it. So can I get a job that pays for me to go a lot of different places that I wouldn't do otherwise? For me, that was exciting in my 20s. And then in my 30s and now 40s, once we had kids, when I think of quality of life, less travel is good. So in some cases, those quality of life things, even on the same axis, you know, what you value can be completely opposite at different points of life. But things like now compared to two years ago, remote work, work from home, flexibility of location is such a big question with employers. And it's something that many of us have gotten a chance to do that. Some people are going to want to do more of it. Some people might be dying for that human companionship and want to get back into an office. And so making sure that what your preferences are, are a match with a potential employer. So I like to think about things in terms of that type of employer, type of work, and then quality of life and figure out at this point, in a general sense, if I'm starting out a career search, which of those is most important to me right now and which of those is next most important to me and use that to start to you know filter through LinkedIn or Indeed or Monster or Glassdoor or those kinds of things. And if I'm comparing you know multiple job offers or potential jobs, then it's also can be a good tool to help determine which of these is hit checking more boxes. But then I think beyond that, just knowing that every job is finite and I think the average time in an organization for a particular employer for folks who are in their 20s right now is three years. And so you can string together a lot of different three-year careers at different organizations over the course of a a three or four-decade career. And I think that really is the case that if you're finding growth and development and fulfillment in your job right now, that's much more important than constantly thinking about, well, what am I going to be doing five years from now? What am I going to be doing 10 years from now? Not that you shouldn't be thinking down the road, but what's going to have more of an impact on your life right now is how you're experiencing what you're doing right now. Exactly. Yeah. And I think also for people who like don't know exactly what they want to do, like obviously not hopping too much, but like taking a few jobs in the course of 10 years and seeing exactly like, oh, I liked this better than this, you know, can really help you to hone in on, you know, maybe staying at a company for another 10 to 15 years in your 30s and stuff like that. And I've also heard a lot of stories where People will like, you know, if they're going into public relations, for example, people will apply for like, you know, the executive assistant job at Mm -hmm. first of like their top PR agency. And then they work their way up to like, you know, one of the top account managers. And so I feel like even though a starting job can seem so like minimal, like you're not going to get anywhere with it. There's so much potential and so much room to grow in a company or throughout different companies. That was my brother had that experience. He moved home for a year to save up money because he knew that he wanted to go to New York. He wanted to do show business. He was a singer songwriter. He'd done some work with video. And so he wanted to get some kind of job that was in the media and entertainment business. And he ended up the position that he got was an executive assistant position at a reality TV production company. Mm-hmm. And it was his foot in the door. And he grew to where he's now the vice president of creative development for the same company 
10 years later. But getting that foot in the door, for him, what was most important was the kind of organization rather than the kind of work at that point. And then he was able, once he was there, to grow and demonstrate leadership and build into that kind of position. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I, I love how in some companies, there's just so much potential and so much room for you to grow and to move up in the ladder and you know just allow yourself to develop your skills, but also in staying in the industry that you love. So it's amazing. I want to keep touching on the, uh, the aspect of quality of life and talk a little bit about quality of life while being an undergrad versus like afterwards. Because if you think about it, like we spend one to three years of our 20s in undergrad and then the rest are afterwards. And so there is obviously a huge shift and a huge difference between the two. But in your 20s as a whole, there's a lot that is unpacked. You know, there's a lot of like, oh, I'm living on my own now. I'm doing a lot of things for myself. I'm working towards a career in whatever it is, whether it's corporate or not, or entrepreneurship or, you know, there's so many options. But what is your thoughts and your ideas on that aspect of your 20s is all about navigating life's big challenges to set you up for the rest of your life? I think that's definitely true. Now that I've been through my 30s, I would say your 30s is also (laughs) a little bit of that experience as well. But I think thinking about the college experience and I'm of two minds because on one hand, I think college is such a unique experience, especially for people who are blessed enough to have a traditional undergraduate experience and live on campus and, and have that kind of community. And so I would say, you know, definitely enjoy and appreciate that and take those moments to realize what a gift it is. And maybe that's sitting out on the quad, just leaning back and enjoying the beautiful weather one day. Maybe it's, you know, thinking about a class or a professor that inspired you or that moved you. And I've really gotten into journaling lately, which was something that I didn't do much of when I was in college. But I think is very helpful. Just putting something on paper, even if you're going to immediately throw it in the trash, just the act of putting feelings and putting experiences into words, I think can be very powerful for helping to understand and to better live your emotions and your experiences. I think the other thing without kind of putting too much of a pre-professional view is think about the time that you have on campus as an opportunity to explore different potential paths. So one thing, and living with and being married to a professor, I hear this advice and I I pass it on, go to office hours. And don't just think of office hours as a place to ask about a test or about an assignment, but use that opportunity to get to know your professors. How did they get into the fields that they get into? What kind of advice do they have for somebody who's making their own path? And also use them as a sounding board. There's a lot of opportunity, whether you're planning on going the academic PhD route, which most people are not, or Mm -hmm. interested in something in their field, you never know what kind of who their college classmates or former colleagues were. But it's a great opportunity if you're interested in a particular field to talk to that professor that inspired you, let them know what you're interested in, and use that as the starting point for a conversation. One, because most jobs are going to ask for references. And so you don't want to be coming to the end of senior year and saying, 
oh crap, who am I going to list as references? Yeah. <laughs> but, but also because having those kinds of relationships that are beyond just what's inside the four walls of a classroom and developing potential mentors and sounding boards can really help you develop how do I take the things that I'm learning now and the challenges that I'm grappling with now and use that to inform what I'm going to do down the road. So I think definitely with professors, but also if there are professional staff members, if there are older students, you know, even somebody who's one year ahead of you, building those relationships and then not being afraid to reach out. If you're in fall semester of senior year and you know somebody who went to work for a company that you're interested in potentially working for, reach out, ask them about their experience. You know, if it's something that you know that you want to go for, talk to them about what was the recruiting process like? What would they recommend? You know, those kinds of things of somebody who's 20, 30 years down their career path or somebody who's just six months ahead of you, those are all going to be different experiences. And so think about those relationships as well as if you're looking at internships or things along those lines, if you have the ability financially, look into internships that are in a field that you might be interested in down the road. And also take those seriously to the point where even if something is in a field that you think you'll never be interested in making sure that you are putting in the work and building a good reputation for yourself. Because even if you're not planning on using those supervisors as references, they will generally be listed on your resume and somebody that a potential employer is going to reach out to. So thinking about what are those opportunities while you're living and fully experiencing college life to think about how your classes or your extracurriculars or your outside of school activities are setting you up and potentially building you up for that step down the road. Yeah, I absolutely love that advice. And this is sort of a question that's like not really related, but I love to ask people who are like involved in some way in the college atmosphere. But like, what is your opinion on the whole debate of paid versus unpaid internships and how like unpaid internships like shouldn't be a thing anymore because like college students are working and stuff like that? How do you feel about that? So... From a moral and ethical standpoint, I feel like unpaid internships shouldn't be a thing. From a practical standpoint, I think that if you are in a position where you can make an unpaid internship happen, and that's the only way that you can get some kind of experience, sometimes that's a choice that you have to make. Yeah, I I think it sucks. I I think it's one of those things that... I don't know if there are still unpaid internships on Capitol Hill, but being here in D.C., That was something that for a long time, it was like the only people who were able to intern for a senator or representative were people who came from a family background where they could afford to work an internship and not get paid for it. So that took so many people out of the running. And that perpetuates some of those kinds of inequalities and equity issues with who ends up going into government. And I think that's certainly the case in other fields as well. I know in a lot of media organizations and things along those lines, There are those same fields where if you want to get into a organization that is highly rated or has a strong reputation, sometimes they will do what they're able to get away with. The one thing that I would say is if you're thinking about going into a field and the only internships available are unpaid internships, I would consider what that says about how that organization or that industry cares about the people that work there. Because if they're not paying their interns anything, then they might not be paying their production assistants or their office assistants much. It sets up a question of what are this organization's values, particularly for people who are coming in at the ground floor. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I just like to you know pick people's brains about that sure. because it's something that obviously being in college, I see all the time. And I feel like 
yes, a hundred percent. Like if you can financially go for a paid unpaid internship, that's not maybe a top agency or something like that. Go for it, do it. The more experience, the better. But also it's like, there are some people who can't do that. And how does that, like you said, how does that relate to equality and allowing everyone to develop experience in an industry? Very interesting debate, but it's always on my mind. And so I'm always seeing posts about it. But this has been a juicy interview packed with knowledge. I know my listeners will definitely be grateful that we've had this conversation. I want to roll into the final question of the podcast. This is a question that I've asked everyone who's ever been on based off of the title, which is Fashion Your Passion Podcast. What is one tip that you would give those who are still dreaming based off of how you have fashioned your passion? I would say as you experience life, you know, and as you experience college, take a step back when you can and see what are the things that inspire you? What are the things that resonate with you? And write them down come back to them every once in a while. And as you think about what you're going to do, whether it's professionally or what you're going to do in your spare time or things along those lines, come back to that. What is it that drives me? Because whenever you can do something that is in harmony with that driving why, you're going to experience those moments of flow. You're going to have those really rewarding professional or life experiences. So I think live the life that you're living explore new things. But as you go along, every once in a while, take an opportunity to step back and say, what is this experience? And especially if you're in a great experience, ask yourself, what is it about this that is engaging me? Is it the place? Is it the people? Is it the topic? Is it what we're doing? And take some time to unpack that because it will help you as you're looking for your passion down the road and you pick up these little bits along the way and you say, oh, that was a time that I was really engaged. That was a conversation that really impacted me. That was a project that I loved working on because I could see the impact. And as you pick up those pieces along the way, you can start to see what your potential picture and what your potential path looks like and how to get it going and get stepping on that path. I think that is one of the best pieces of advice that we've gotten from that question on the podcast. So thank you very much. Where can people find more about you, about Postgrad Compass on social, on web, all of all things? Definitely. You can find me at postgradcompass.com. That's postgrad, all one word, and compass altogether.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Postgrad Compass. And you can find me there. I'm working on getting more into video, but as a somebody who's 40 something, that's been a little bit more of a challenge for me, but I'm, I'm working on doing it. I don't think I'll be doing any music video reels anytime soon, but <laughs> it's possible working on my neon moon. So you can find me on Postgrad Compass on the web, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and eventually TikTok. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about making that plunge. He'll get there, folks. He'll get there. All of these will be linked down below for you. Thank you so much for coming on the show again. I do appreciate it. And I know that my listeners also appreciate it. And for those who are listening, I will talk to you guys next week.